This morning, our Old Testament reading comes to us from the prophet Jeremiah, the 15th chapter. Jeremiah, as a prophet, led a very difficult life. As he preached God's word to the people of Israel, he preached repentance to them, and oftentimes they were not receptive to Jeremiah's message, which is, of course, also the Lord's message. And uh, they abused him and uh, persecuted him, and so Jeremiah here is asking for uh, revenge, for vengeance from God. Uh, But the promise God makes to him is that through the word of the Lord, Jeremiah actually stands strong and stands firm in the midst of the persecution and abuse. Jeremiah writes, O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was upon me. For you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, I will restore you, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We hear from St. Paul's letter to the Roman church in our epistle reading today, the 12th chapter. St. Paul here writes about what it means to as we have now learned of Christ and as Christ has entered our lives, what does our life look like from then on? And then also, not only does our life look a certain way with our kindness and with our patience, but that we can expect pushback. And as we receive that, not to be the actors of our own vengeance, but to count on the Lord, just as the Lord told Jeremiah, that he is the one who, if vengeance must be taken, is his St. Paul writes, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. 
Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise as we hear from the Holy Gospel. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Coupled with last week's reading, as Peter uh, confesses that Jesus is the Christ, Peter also here gets something wrong. As Jesus declares his death and resurrection, Peter doesn't think this is the right path for them. But Jesus points out that the way of the Christ and the way of our Lord is often not the way of the world. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to each and every one of you through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We may not always think about it in these terms, but almost every aspect of our lives, every decision we make, has an aspect of transaction. We live 
a very transactional life. For instance, when you go to the store to buy, let's say, a gallon of milk, you've decided already that the money the milk costs, probably about $4 now, right? $4 is actually worth less to you than that milk, and that's why you're willing to grab the gallon, pay the money, because you need that particular item. Then the other way it happens too, you go to the store and something is too expensive and you say, it's not worth that to me. And so you don't use your money, you keep your money. But it's not just about money. Coming to church is transactional. You've made a decision. You've, you've thought to yourself, it is more valuable for me to come to church and hear God's word than it is to stay in bed. Or it's more valuable to me to come to church than go to this event. Having a job is transactional. Because you give up your time. You've said it's more important to me to have food on my table and money that I can purchase what I need than it is to have my uh, Monday through Sunday available 100%. And maybe you've quit a job before because it was so stressful. So you've made a transaction. My mental health is more important to me than the money I'm earning at this particular place. I hope you can see what I'm trying to get at here that we do make these decisions based on value, based on transactions, saying certain things are more valuable than others, our time, our energy, our money, in order to do those things or maybe choose to not do those things. Jesus puts forward a very powerful question in our gospel today that shows a bit of transaction. He says this, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? The shape of this question is, is rhetorical. There, there, isn't a, there isn't a way for us to He's not waiting for someone to answer him. He's, he's wanting us to ponder this, to think about this, this transaction of, is the whole world worth your life? Now, we've got to define some of these terms here. What does he mean by world? Well, when Jesus speaks of the world, he often speaks of what the world sees as important or what the world sees as valuable. And so what does the world see as valuable? Well, power, fame, authority, money, uh, various kinds of fulfillment and joys that the world can offer. You know, we all most likely understand what Jesus is getting at here. That no matter what the world can give us, no matter what we think that we can reach out and grab, none of it is truly worth our lives. We can gain everything there is to gain. We can gain every penny of wealth. We can gain the biggest house on the planet. We can gain the most cars, the most boats, the most beautiful vacations, the best job, the most authority, the most power, but ultimately all of those things, even if we gain the ultimate of all of them, all of those things are temporary. And they do end. Because we live in a world with death. 
But this question that Jesus poses, it's important for us to understand this context because Jesus poses this question after Peter has said another kind of foolish thing. We hear in the gospel that from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus, as he sees Peter rebuke him. Peter, Peter is speaking very harshly to Jesus as Jesus says, I'm going to go and die. Peter takes him aside and says, no, that's, that's foolish. It's not worth it. Don't do that. Because Peter thinks the way the world thinks. Peter thinks that success comes from having the power. Success comes from having the money. Success comes from being the top of the pile, being the one who is in charge. And Peter's saying, well, Lord, we're going to go and we're going to get rid of these Romans. We're going to take care of business and we are going to be in charge. Don't go and die. Peter sees this as giving up. Peter is viewing this whole thing from the world's perspective. The way to success is through power. It's through might, it's through wealth, it's through influence and authority, and if you die, none of that can come to be. Now we kind of shake our heads at Peter here and say, oh, Peter, don't you get it? But we have the benefit of hindsight. We know how this story goes. We know how Good Friday goes. We know how Easter goes. We know that when Jesus goes to the cross, he dies to erase our sin he dies to pay for our sin. He dies and then gets buried in a tomb to come back to life for the good of the entirety of the universe. And so we can look at Peter and say, oh, Peter, you just don't get it yet. But you know, even though we have hindsight, even though we actually know better than Peter does, we still often operate the same way he does. Because we measure success and value the same way. This earthly sense, the size of the house, the money in the bank, the name of yourself. You know, those things aren't necessarily inherently bad, but they're not true victory because they can all go away. They can all be taken away. Our victory is truly found in Christ. And if Christ doesn't go and die, we are lost. And so that becomes what the ultimate irony of this question of Jesus is when he says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? And we think to ourselves, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Jesus, that, that we don't give you up to gain the rest of the world. We, we, we look to the cross and know that, that, that we're saved. But the irony is, when Jesus went to the cross, he made a transaction. He chose to pay with himself 
to buy you. And in the same way that you handing over those $4 to buy a gallon of milk and have said, I'd rather have this than that, Jesus said he'd rather have us than his life. By his transaction, he gave you value. By his transaction, he gave you victory. He gave you success because he said that my life is worth less than yours. And that is how he showed himself to be the ultimate servant, the ultimate sacrifice. He lost his life. He was damned. He suffered to purchase you. So what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? He forfeited his life to gain the world, not the worldly riches, not to gain this, this, this fleeting sense of importance or fleeting sense of popularity or a fleeting sense of authority, but to buy the world, to buy you and to buy me, to purchase us back from the brink of death, from our sin, from ourselves, Christ bought And he gave up his life. And so that's where we can find our victory. That's where we can find our success. That's where we can find our worth. Because Christ bought you with his own life. Christ bought you by dying, by giving up himself. And so we need not look outside of the cross to find victory, to find worth. Because it's all there. You are victorious in Christ because he made a transaction. He spent himself to buy you and to give you life eternal. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.